isn't it interesting that tolerance is preached unless it is tolerance towards the church. And if the church stands up and exercises its freedom of speech, then the ones who preach tolerance are not tolerant at all. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. We live in a culture filled with people who love to intimidate the Christian into silence, who we must resist at all costs. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series on disarming your giants with a look at disarming the giant of intimidation. You know, the great apostle Paul had a son in the faith named Timothy, who somewhere along the way had fallen prey to intimidation. Paul called it a spirit of fear and urged Timothy to resist it. We Christians face the same spirit in our time. Forces of intimidation are continuously seeking to silence the Christian witness of Jesus Christ. And like Timothy, we must resist it, defeat it, and walk in boldness. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share what I believe will be a very helpful message on disarming the giant of intimidation. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if we're walking around paralyzed by fear, just shackled by it, afraid of everything or afraid of something all the time, we can know for a fact that that didn't come from God. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, said James, with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of change. Of his own will, he begat us with the word of truth. He's saying if it's a good gift and a perfect gift, it came down from the Father of lights. But if it's something like fear, it did not come from the Father of lights. And I want you to notice that he called fear a spirit. He literally uses the word pneuma in the Greek, spirit. He said fear is a spirit. It is a spirit that the enemy uses to attack us with. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, the word fear in that verse, I used to think it was phobos that we get phobia from, which is like this panic fear, but that's not what it is in that verse. It really means cowardice or timidity. God has not given us a cowardly or timid spirit that draws back, that has no boldness, that is not bold in God, that is cowardly, shrinking, that pulls back. It refers to a person losing their moral gumption, their fortitude in the presence of danger or threat. Cowardly. We could change the verse and say, God has not given us a cowardly spirit. When you look at the New Testament, you see the disciples, one of the things that marked them was this supernatural boldness. They were not cowardly, but they were bold. No matter what was done to them, they walked in boldness. 
We find Paul in the New Testament regularly asking the church to pray that he has boldness in proclaiming Christ. What was he saying? Pray that that spirit of timidity, that cowardly spirit does not get on me, but I remain bold in God, bold in Christ. I don't want to back down. I don't want to run away from a battle. I want to stay strong. I want you to notice, just for the heck of it, that the word timid is right in the middle of intimidation. Intimidation means you are in timidity. You have been taken by timidity. Paul is writing Timothy and telling him, God didn't give you a spirit of fear because this formerly bold preacher, Timothy, for some reason or another had begun to shrink back and not be as bold in God. He was not witnessing. He was not preaching. He was not putting everything on the line for Christ. And so Paul wrote him and said, hey, Timothy, hey, God didn't give you this spirit of cowardice. He wants you to be bold. You've got the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. So get to preaching again, Timothy. Get back to your old self. Be bold in God. Intimidation is a close brother to fear. It it is a sibling of fear. It's a type of fear. Satan uses intimidation as a weapon against God's people. You have probably faced it this week in your workplace, in a school, maybe even in your own home where somebody doesn't believe or amongst your in-laws. You have experienced intimidation. Here's how it happens. You have a sense that you ought to say something on behalf of the Lord and you start to do it and then suddenly a thought hits you. I better not because if I do, this, this, and this might happen and you hold back and you're not aware that when you hold back, you were just intimidated. Now, I'm very aware that there are times when the Holy Spirit will tell you to hold back and use wisdom and tact. I understand that, but I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about when you ought to, you don't, because you're afraid of whatever consequence you think might happen. They'll think that I'm a nut. They'll think that I'm a, you know, one of those Jesus freaks. I might lose my reputation or my favor. I'll lose the smile of people. And so you hold back. That's intimidation. God tells you to step out in faith and do something in ministry, something to serve him. And you start to go do it. And then something checks you and you say, you know, I better not. Because if I do that, this or this or this, and you think of a negative consequence and you hold back and you just got intimidated from stepping forth in what God wants you to do. Intimidation will rob you from fulfilling your calling God. It almost robbed me. I was so intimidated when God called me to preach. When I'm at, the first door opened for me to preach. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I fasted, not because I was spiritual, but because I wasn't hungry. I died a thousand deaths. I told the guy who invited me, I can't do it. Thank God he was persistent with me. He said, you have to do it because there's no one else. If you don't do it, I said, well, I'm so sorry. You're going to be left alone. He said, you're going to do it. Days later, I drove there, died a thousand deaths on the way and thinking nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say. And who am I? I don't even have any high school. And I didn't. Now, in case you're worried about that, believe me, I got plenty of college. (laughs) But I was kicked out of high school in the ninth grade and never went back. Didn't have 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. So I went junior college, college, got master's, got a doctorate. I played catch up 
for 15 years. Believe me, I'm caught up. You're not going to find me going back to school. Okay? Intimidation is used by the enemy to muzzle us, to make us afraid to stand for Christ. Now, let me give you, for instance, when Nehemiah was called out of Babylon to go and rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, you remember that? They'd been in captivity for 70 years, and Cyrus, the Persian king, said, okay, you can go and rebuild the wall now and rebuild the city. Well, Ezra came and rebuilt the temple, but Nehemiah came to rebuild the wall. And you notice that as soon as they were released and launched into the work of the Lord to rebuild that wall, the enemy released against them in a sustained intimidation campaign two men called Sambalat and Tobiah. They were Arabs who hated the Jews, did not want the Jews rebuilding anything. And so they unleashed this intimidation campaign against them, began to attack them. And you will find that as soon as you say yes to the Lord, often the enemy will release against you an intimidation campaign. All the reasons why you can't do it, why you shouldn't do it, why you're not prepared to do it, why you're not qualified to do it. Their intimidation campaign, I kind of broke it down, and I found three ways they intimidated. The first way that they attacked Nehemiah and the builders with intimidation was mockery. Nehemiah 2.19 says, When Sambalat and Tobiah heard that the Jews were rebuilding the wall, they mocked and made fun of us. We became the brunt of all their jokes. They would walk by pointing at us and laughing, slapping each other on the back, mocking, ridiculing mockery. Mockery is a hard thing to take. Mockery is not an easy thing to listen to. Their mockery was designed to intimidate the Israelites into believing they could not accomplish what they had set out to do. You can't do it. Who are you? You've been in captivity for messing up so bad in the first place. Who are you to come back and rebuild anything? You ought to stay in the shadows. It was a shaming technique. Mockery. It was extremely toxic very discouraging. You know what it's like. I sure do. I've been mocked in my own family. I've been mocked at work in the past. I was certainly mocked in college, was the brunt of jokes. I had to learn to take it. I had to learn to turn to what Jesus said. He knew full well that his followers were going to be ridiculed and persecuted for taking a stand for him. And church, let me tell you, I'm preaching this because if there was ever a day We must learn to overcome intimidation. It is today. It is now. Listen to what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are you when people mock you. Blessed are you when people mock you. How blessed do you feel when you're getting mocked? But Jesus said, you're blessed. He said, when they mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers, he said, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So when they point at you and mock you, you need to lift up your hands and rejoice. And that's a decision. Believe me, you are not going to be experiencing that emotion. But he said, rejoice and be exceedingly glad because you're going to get rewarded in heaven. The day will come when Jesus will say to you in eternity, I saw the way you were mocked. I saw the way you took a stand. Now, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what's going to happen. 
He said, because the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Malachi, Haggai, all the prophets, all of those who stood for God or Christ were mocked, were persecuted. The second kind of intimidation technique that I saw was the threat of physical harm. It says in chapter 4, 11 to 12 of Nehemiah, meanwhile, our enemies were saying, now watch this, they're building the wall, they're putting brick upon brick, mortar, they're busy in Emmanuel labor. And before they know what's happening, here's what came against them. Before they know what's happening, they heard, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. And the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us, watch this again and again. This was a sustained threat over time. Again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. Here was the message. You keep building this wall, we're going to kill you. You're going to be in the middle of building that wall, and we're going to come at you from every direction, and we're going to take your life. Physical threats, intimidation. A third type of intimidation tactic used against Nehemiah was predictions of failure. Prediction of failure. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, it says they mocked the Jews, and then they said, they sent a message to the Jews, whatever they build, now hear the mockery in this, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it's going to break down their stone wall. What does a little fox weigh? 20 pounds? said, these people are so inept, so incompetent, so ill-prepared, so unqualified, that they're going to build a joke. It's not going to amount to anything. And church, I don't know if you've ever heard that voice, but you set out to do something for God. And here comes the voice of Sam Ballot and Tobiah, who are a type of Satan. And it comes against you. Who are you? You're not going to build anything that is worth looking at, worth of any substance, of any weight. It's going to break down so easily. You don't have it. You don't got it. You're not gifted. You're not talented. You're not this. And the enemy will define you down and marginalize you until you are so intimidated you don't go do it. It's a tactic. Bible's full of examples like this. Who can forget the giant of giants? Goliath. We've all heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Terminator, right? Arnold's looking rough these days. It's hard to see him in an action movie thing, although I haven't gone to one in a long, long time, but I saw a clip. Now, Terminator. I looked up this idea, this thing. I saw that in a foreign country there was an action movie called The Annihilator. But guess what? If you had cast Goliath... In an action movie, he would have been called the intimidator because everything about him was intimidating. Everything, nine feet tall, girt in the best armor of the day, a professional soldier. And he used the same intimidation tactics against David that Samballot and Tobiah did against Nehemiah. He mocked him. Remember when David came walking up to him? He mocked him and said, look at this. Look at this kid. Is this the best you've got? Ha, 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 ha. Marginalized him, defined him down. What a joke. You can't send anything better than a kid with a sling and a stone. Threats of harm. He looked at David and said, I'm going to take your head off today and feed it to the birds of the air. Predictions of failure. What are you going to do with a sling and a stone? The whole while David's doing this. And right about when Goliath said, I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air today. And what a joke you are. There was a thud heard. I love that story. David refused to be intimidated. (laughs) 
And right when Goliath's mocking him, he just let it fly. And that was Goliath's last words. But I want you to point out that David, David refused to be intimidated. Now, let me tell you where we are in America. I want you to hear me very carefully. This is going to matter to everyone here today who loves Jesus. Let me tell you where we are. We're living in an hour and a time in America where the weapon of intimidation is being used by Satan on a level I've never seen. I started preaching 42 years ago. I have preached virtually my whole life. And I'm going to tell you now there is an intimidation campaign that has been released by a godless, Christ-rejecting culture against the church. And the church is being cowed into silence unless that church says, I will not be intimidated. I will not be. The intimidation campaign is very real, it's very toxic, and it's very, very there. I see it every day. Consider the following. Our public schools are terrified right now. They're terrified that if they allow anything of a Christian nature into school plays, classroom activities, or classroom discussion, that the ACLU will pounce on them and sue them, and they have been cowed into total silence. They will talk about Wicca. They will talk about Islam, but they will not talk about Christ. They have been cowed into silence, intimidated. Hate crime legislation was signed into law a few years ago that signifies, get this, that preaching against sins like homosexuality can be interpreted as hate speech by the listeners and bring an arrest against the preacher. You think that can't happen? It's already happened several times in England out of whose womb we came. And it's already happened a couple of times in the United States of America. So that a listener out there, if I were to stand on a uh, street corner today and preach Jesus and say, just for instance, homosexuality is a sin, then a listener could say, well, that offends me, and go to the police and say, I believe that they just made hate speech, and that policeman can come and arrest me and take me to jail and charge me with a hate crime, and that is nothing short of an intimidation tactic to muzzle the church from preaching the Bible as it is to men as they are. Now, Political correctness, which I despise, loathe, hate, and detest. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Because political correctness takes away our freedom of speech. Political correctness, the message is, there are certain things you can say and can't say. It has produced thought police, is released into our culture, people who watch for others to say the wrong thing, and then they pounce. It is a form of soft Marxism. There are certain things you better not say, can't say, because if you say them, that's not tolerant. Isn't it interesting that tolerance is preached unless it is tolerance towards the church? And if the church stands up and exercises its freedom of speech, then the ones who preach tolerance are not tolerant at all. How has that happened? But political correctness is now the ruling code of ethics of 21st century America, And it has literally muzzled much of the church from even mentioning sin. 
You shouldn't do that because that makes people feel bad about themselves and hurts their self-esteem. This whole self-esteem thing is a bunch of garbage. It's crazy. We need to hear that we're in sin. If I hadn't heard that I was in sin, listen, what would you think if you went and found a family physician and you met him and liked him and he said, well, you need to know this about me. We don't discuss disease. (laughs) Then you would say, well, wait a minute. What if you find a disease in me? Well, well, you know, we'll pray for you, but we're not going to talk about it because disease is off limits. It's the same thing when a church says we won't discuss sin. Because if you don't discuss sin, how is anybody going to be saved? How is anybody going to be healed? Because sin is what is destroying people's lives. Do you hear what I'm saying? The pastor of the largest church on America was being interviewed on TV, and he said, we don't discuss sin. I just fell off my chair. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned. We have all turned aside. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We need to hear that. But instead, I've watched entire denominations that used to be bulwarks of the truth, that used to stand for Christ and stand for the word, have now sided with the world. They want the world's smile instead of God's. And they not only refuse to call sin, sin, but they've gone so far now as to call wrong, right, and right, wrong. Somebody beam me up. What has happened to us? It's like our culture has gone nuts. Let me tell you what it is. It's the upside down, backward thinking of political correctness, which is nothing more than an intimidation technique of the enemy to muzzle the church. And the intimidation campaign is not going to go anywhere. It's going to grow worse unless and until a mighty move of God sweeps our land, which I believe could happen. But if and until it does, how do we overcome this spirit of intimidation? Because you're going to be intimidated this week, at least tempted to be somewhere, sometime, somehow, in some setting. Well, Simon Peter, who knows a little bit about intimidation, tells us how. You remember how he lost it. He lost his testimony. Well, I hope the message has helped you to understand better how to fight the spirit of intimidation and walk in boldness. And maybe you're not aware that Life Talk has many helpful resources to better aid you in fighting the good fight and to grow in your spiritual walk. Just go to our website at lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. And spend some time looking through our archive of free downloadable podcasts and other helpful tools. We would love to have you visit. And be sure to join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, Disarming the Giant of Intimidation. Until then, may God's rich blessings be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff. You know, every time God uses the ministry of Life Talk to transform a life by the power of Jesus Christ, it's because somebody like you gave financially and helped make it possible. 
Life Talk's daily program is listener supported. So if you're interested in supporting this ministry, call toll free 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or visit us online at lifetalkradio.us and make a donation to empower Life Talk to continue transforming lives with the power of the gospel. Call 877-884-3111 or go online to lifetalkradio.us and give your best gift today. Disarming the Giant of Intimidation is the eighth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Disarming Your Giants. You can own a copy of this 10 CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to LiveTalkRadio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Disarming Your Giants, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to LiveTalkRadio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wigwire. To find out more about Dr. Wigwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener supported ministry. We exist to bring God's word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.